doing more intervals at 95% of your VVO2 max is likely going to be much more effective than going at 105 or 110% VVO2 max, but then not being able to either complete the workout or at least fading towards the end and actually not reaching VO2 max at all. The Triathlon Show 139. Hey, what's up everybody and welcome back to another episode of That Triathlon Show, the podcast presented by scientifictriathlon.com. I'm your host Michael and on today's episode we take a deep dive into the design of interval training and uh, high intensity interval workouts. So I'll try to answer the not so easy question of how do you get the most out of your interval workouts by using smart design of these workouts and knowledge of physiology in general and your individual physiology and fitness level, of course, in particular. But first, big thanks to our sponsors. This episode is sponsored by Precision Hydration that you can find on precisionhydration.com. If you haven't done so already, make sure that you go back to last week's beginner tip, beginner tip 28, where I talk about hydration fundamentals for triathletes. And even though it's a beginner tip, it applies to everybody. I think a lot of otherwise intermediate and advanced triathletes are really at a beginner level when it comes to hydration and do a lot of things wrong. So go back and listen to that episode. I also have a lot of links to resources on the Precision Hydration blog in that episode, so you can dive deeper if you want to. And of course, you will learn that when you go long and when you go in hot conditions in particular, then it's not only fluid intake that matters, but electrolyte intakes. And that's something that's not a one-size-fits-all. Everybody loses a different amount of sodium and other electrolytes in their sweat. So you can find your ballpark number on precisionhydration.com using their free online sweat test that I linked to in the episode description and the show notes. Take that free test and you'll find out how much electrolytes you need. And if you want to buy those electrolytes from Precision Hydration, use the promo code that's Triathlon Show, all one word, all caps, to get your first box for free. And big thank you to Roka that you can find on roka.com. You've heard me talk a lot about their different uh, innovations in their wetsuits, dry suits, swimskins, other apparel. But one thing that I haven't mentioned yet is uh, their technological advances with their goggles. In Roka's R1 goggles, they actually have an 11 degree lens angle compared to most other goggles or all other goggles in the world that just look straight down. But the R1 lens has an 11 degree angle to help you look forward. So that means that you don't actually have to lift your head as much when you're sighting, which makes it much easier and more efficient. And it also helps you see bubbles out of your peripheral vision more easily so that you can more easily follow feet. So they're really made to help you find faster, which is Roka's hashtag, hashtag find faster, on the swim and the open water swim in particular. They're designed to make triathletes faster in the swim. So check out the R1 goggles. And if you buy them or anything else on Roka's website, roka.com, use the discount code DEATHTRIATHLONSHOW, all one word, all caps, to get 20% off your entire Roka order. 
All right, so let's start talking interval training. So I want to start with giving you a little bit of background for this episode. As uh, regular listeners will know, we had Professor Paul Larson. He's also an elite uh, triathlon and endurance sports coach. He was on a couple of months ago in a fantastic two-part interview that was called Interval Training, Science and Application. And that was back in episodes 128, 129. Definitely go back and listen to those. So Paul Larson and his colleague Martin Boucher wrote a fantastic research review a few years ago on high-intensity interval training. And now they're about to turn that into a book, which I caught wind of, and that's uh, why I asked Paul to come on and talk about interval training on the podcast. But after that interview, I went back and read those original research papers that their book will be based on, but in more layman's terms. And those research papers are called High Intensity Interval Training Solutions to the Programming Puzzle, And it's actually a review in uh, two parts. Part one is called cardiopulmonary emphasis. And part two is called anaerobic energy, neuromuscular load, and practical practical applications. It's a very, very good review and very comprehensive. It's something like 50 pages in total. And I'll, of course, link to both of those reviews as well as to the interviews. Uh, The reviews are open access, so you can read the entire reviews for free on ResearchGate, and that will be linked to in the show notes on scientifictriathlon.com forward slash TTS139, or directly in the episode description in your podcast app. So anyway, I read those reviews, I learned a heck of a lot by digging deeper into the science behind structuring interval workouts and the programming puzzle of it, and I have been experimenting since reading that with uh, some of the athletes that I coach already. And I really like the initial results. I'm not going to talk about that here. I'm just going to talk about the actual reviews. But uh, I thought that it's a good time for me now that I've I had some experience with it and I've used it and I've wrapped my head around it. So I want to share this information, the most important things that I learned from these reviews on interview, uh, <laughs> interview interval training. Uh, interview training is something else that I, I could potentially do. But yeah, I want to share this information on interval training with you guys. So that's what this episode is about. And this episode is only about uh, part one of that review. So it's really the cardiopulmonary emphasis, meaning we're dealing with how can you get as much air as possible into your lungs, then extract as much oxygen as possible from that air into your bloodstream, and then get as much of that oxygen as possible delivered to your working muscles. That's the definition of VO2 max. It's the maximum volume of oxygen uptake and utilization by the muscles. So, and that also brings me to another point. This review only deals with high intensity intervals that are performed above the anaerobic threshold or lactate threshold, if you want to use that terminology. So it's close to or above your VO2 max intensity. Think track intervals and pretty hard track intervals. So improving your VO2 max is the main goal here. And without making this too long-winded, here's why. If you think of your fitness as uh, really a continuous thread from very short durations to very long durations, and for short durations, you can hold a very high intensity, 
like for 10 seconds you can go at a very very fast speed very high power on the bike or high power on the run if you use a power meter but for very long durations that intensity of course drops quite a lot but you have points on that curve on uh, for every single duration really and in cycling this is fairly well known like we call it the power duration curve and if you use wko like i do then you can actually review your your power duration curve or the power duration curve of the athletes that you coach if you are a coach Uh, so anyway you have that for all endurance sports regardless if it's power or not it's just intensity really and uh, if you can bring that vo2 max intensity up then that's that pulls on this continuous string and brings up all the longer durations as well it brings up the sustainable intensity for those longer durations because let's say that your your lactate threshold or your anaerobic threshold is roughly 85% of your VO2 max, which is uh, a common assumption to make, then if you increase your VO2 max by, say, 3%, then maybe your lactate threshold doesn't improve by 3%, but it will improve because that, that's, that string will be pulled. So maybe it improves by at least 2% or something like that. So that's the whole idea. That's why VO2 max high intensity intervals are so effective. We can talk more about this in a separate episode, but this gives you a bit of background as for why we're only talking VO2 max uh, intensity here, VO2 max intervals. The review focuses only on them, not lower, lower intensity intervals, longer duration intervals. But that doesn't mean that your fitness at all levels, all different durations, won't improve. This is uh, the tide that uh, raises all boats, if uh, I think that's the correct saying. I'm not sure. Somebody with English as their first language can email me and correct me if I'm wrong. So I will also talk a little bit about uh, reviewing some basic concepts that Paul Larson already talked about in that intro, two-part intro that we did. So when you do these intervals, high-intensity intervals, there are three potential targets that you can have, and uh, your interval workout can target one or several of these. And they are the cardiovascular targeting, or metabolic targeting, or neuromuscular slash musculoskeletal targeting. So cardiovascular, that's VO2 max that I already mentioned, increasing your oxygen uptake capability and uh, oxygen utilization by the muscles that sort of thing. Metabolic, that really deals with when you are already at your maximum capacity, you're using as much oxygen as your body can use at any given time. If you go at an intensity that is higher than what uh, than the energy that the body can create using that oxygen, then you also need to supplement with energy that is created anaerobically. That means that through a process called anaerobic glycolysis carbs are anaerobically um, turned into atp which is the basic fuel source of the body of all the cells in in the body and uh, this basically the reason that this is called uh, metabolic adaptations is that really we're dealing with the muscles store glycogen 
and this glycogen is then used to create that ATP. So, and uh, so this is why it's called a metabolic adaptation, using that stored glycogen in the muscles to create ATP directly without the involvement of oxygen, because you're already at your maximum capacity when it comes to using the oxygen that you get in, but you are still wanting your body to go at an intensity that requires more energy than that oxygen can provide through oxidizing carbs and fat. So that's metabolic. And then finally, neuromuscular slash musculoskeletal. This deals with the, the load on the neuromuscular system. So you will have uh, your neural system, your nervous system will send signals to your muscles to contract and uh, that sort of thing. And then you have the musculoskeletal strain. So uh, really have your muscles and your joints and, and your a skeleton, your bones, how they interact. So that's pretty self-explanatory. And Paul also talked about the four different types of intervals. So we have long intervals that are longer than one minute and usually done at an intensity that is uh, above 90% of uh, your VO2 max, your speed at VO2 max or your power at VO2 max. And we have short intervals that are shorter than a minute and they are also done at uh, that sort of intensity, but can be even higher, like up to 120% or even harder in some cases, although not necessarily recommended than VO2 max. Then we have re repeated sprint training. It's not relevant for triathletes, really. It's uh, very short sprints, often done by football players, team sports players in general, uh, with uh, pretty short recoveries between sprints. And then sprint interval training, all-out sprints of 30 seconds or so, with uh, longish recovery, so like two to four minutes or so. But we won't go into those. We will only talk about long and short intervals that are the ones relevant for triathletes. And uh, the primary goal with any interval session, so this is uh, the first point at which you need to listen really closely here, and this is one of your key takeaways from today. You want to spend a prolonged time at your VO2 max intensity. Uh, that doesn't mean that your your system, your cardiovascular system needs to be at 100%, but above 90% of its oxygen utilization and uptake capacity. Then we can say that you are at VO2 max. That's often how it's defined, either above 90% or above 95%. You want to ma maximize the amount of time that you spend there. But you also want to, you want to do that while controlling for a level of anaerobic engagement. So those metabolic uh, adaptations that we talked about, they are anaerobic in nature. And you want to control for neuromuscular load and musculoskeletal strain. Those two controlling factors are the topic of review part two. So we'll deal with that in a later episode. In today's episode, we will focus on how to accumulate time at VO2 max optimally. And although there's no formula or no like super clear-cut way, this is how you maximize your time at VO2 max, we have quite a lot of uh, indicative uh, uh, studies that show roughly what you can do and definitely what you should not do if you want to, to accumulate time, spend a prolonged time at that VO2 max intensity. So that's basically what I'm going to try to uh, try to make clear in uh, today's episode. 
through the use of uh, 10 essential tips on how to manipulate certain variables so that it will become uh, more practical for you. Because the way that you do this is by uh, through programming, programming your workouts appropriately. But before we get into those 10 tips, uh, a couple of things. You need to Let's, I'm going to use running a lot as an example, but this works just as well with, with cycling. Uh, swimming is a bit harder, so we'll focus on running running and cycling. And uh, I'll talk about VVO2 max, which is your velocity at VO2 max. So that means when you're at your VO2 max intensity, what is your running pace or, or your running speed? Is it uh, uh, 330 per kilometer or whatever it is? That's your v, VO2 max. And you need to find that VVO2 max. There are a few ways that you can do that. Of course, you can do a lab test. It's possibly a great idea, but there are a few caveats, like the effect of running on a treadmill compared to outdoors. Uh, it's not always a super direct translation. You might find that uh, your paces are actually too slow or too fast on one versus the other. Also, a big big factor here is that if the stage durations in an incremental lab test are too short or the step size is how much you increase the speed on the treadmill for each step if that's too high basically the lab wants to speed up the process to be able to to have more customers on any given day then that can inflate your vvo2 max that's something that i see in, in some athletes that i coach so uh, so there are things to be careful with but a lab test if done in a good lab and you know you talk with them you trust them then that can be a great idea what i would actually recommend is to use a recent race result or a time trial like a 20 minute time trial go to macmillanrunning.com plug that result that field test or race into the calculator and it will automatically give you both your estimated threshold pace and your vo2 max pace and that is going to be very practical and it's going to be accurate enough for you to to base your to to use as an estimate of your vvo2 max finally you can also do a five minute time trial since the time to exhaustion at, at the speed of vo2 max is in the four to eight minute range if you do a five minute time trial you can use that uh, that pace that you hold for the five minute time trial as an estimate of your the VO2 max and this has been shown in studies to very closely correlate with the results that you would get from lab tests. So talking about percentages then of intensity usually your long intervals that are one to six minutes in duration or so they will be done at 90 to 100 105 percent of VVO2 max. Uh, we'll discuss more specifically what what is the actual optimal intensity it's probably not 105 percent i can tell you that uh, but uh, that's usually if you think of how fast you're running in general in your track workouts that might be the intensity that you're at you might even be at 110 percent to be honest depends on how you structure your workouts and your short intervals that are one minute or less they would be in that maybe 95 to 120 percent of vvo2 max uh, although the way that you have been running them, you may have been uh, going into speeds that are actually quite a bit more, like 130, even 140% of v VO2 max. And so when you design your workouts, this is the final point before getting into the tips, is that uh, your training prescription 
if you use it based on speed for running, that's a great idea. You can also use it based on power, another great idea. Uh, if you do it on the track, I actually prefer speed. Uh, that's because it's such a controlled environment, and uh, so so I use speed on track. But otherwise, I might use power if it's a slightly undulating course or something like that. Uh, on the bike, of course, power is the best. And heart rate, whether it's on the bike or the run, not a good idea. It's the the heart rate lag is uh, so long that it's not going to be effective for you to follow heart rate in these sorts of intervals. Not at all. So if you can't use speed or power for whatever reason, you should use RPE, your rating of perceived exertion. And that basically allows you to self-regulate, but it requires good self-regulation. And what you would do then is uh, to, let's say your workout is 10 times 400 with uh, a one minute recovery. Then, Then you would just try to hit the pace that is the maximum pace that you can sustain for all 10 intervals, so that you don't start too fast and then fade towards the end. Ideally, you can do your last intervals one or two seconds faster than the first ones. So that's how RPE works. And then you're pretty knackered afterwards, feeling that maybe you could have done one more, but that's that's about it. RPE is actually essential for hill repeats on the run for those people that are not using power. Uh, that you have to use RPE there because you can't rely on pace, of course. All right, so this has been quite a bit of background. So it took me a bit longer than I expected to get through all of this, but I think it's important to get the context. And now let's dive into the programming tips. So tip number one is... uh, short versus long intervals when it comes to attaining time at VO2 max. This has only been studied and compared in a couple of studies, one example of which is a comparison between long intervals that were two minutes work, two minutes rest, and the compared short intervals were 30 seconds hard, 30 seconds easy, active recovery. And uh, it, the study showed that there was significantly more time spent at VO2 max with the long intervals compared to the short intervals. However, when you changed the short interval workout structure to a 60 seconds work, 30 seconds rest, then the effectiveness becomes the time at VO2 max is, uh, was, I think, similar or still a bit higher with uh, the first one, the two minutes, two minutes. But uh, the exercise effectiveness or time at VO2 max effectiveness, which is defined as the percentage of time at VO2 max uh, as as a percentage of the entire duration of the entire interval workout. So uh, the main set, essentially, uh, that was actually higher with the 60 seconds, 30 seconds compared to the two minutes, two minutes. So taken together, uh, these studies suggest that long intervals are effective and can be more effective than short intervals, but short intervals with a work-rest ratio of uh, significantly greater than one uh, can also be very effective, or can be similarly effective, actually. So either long intervals that are longer than one minute, or short intervals using a work-rest ratio of significantly more than one. Then you can get a good time at VO2 max, and a good time at VO2 max as a percentage of the entire duration of the workout. Tip number two. So let's talk about long intervals here, one minute or longer, and how to optimize interval duration. 
Without beating around the bush here, the recommendation is to go for at least two minutes of duration for several reasons. First, based on, on knowledge of how the VO2 kinetics and the body works, we know that when you repeat intervals, it uh, usually would take at least 1 minute 20 seconds, or it would actually take between 1 minute 20 seconds to 2 minute minutes and 20 seconds uh, for you to reach VO2 max intensity when you go at a, at a very high intensity close to your VVO2 max. And uh, in your first interval, you probably won't reach VO2 max at all unless it's uh, maybe more than 3 minutes, like 4 minutes or so, then you will reach VO2 max. So you should count on that and uh, just accept that, uh, that the fact that you probably won't reach VO2 max until your second interval at least. And there have been experimental studies done that have shown that, for example, when comparing two-minute work, two-minute rest, with one-minute work, one-minute rest intervals, then uh, the runners reached VO2 max in uh, the case with the two-minute intervals, but they did not at all throughout the entire session with one-minute intervals. And another study showed that uh, when comparing, they repeated actually this study and uh, found the same thing, that runners did not reach VO2 max intensity during one-minute intervals, but uh, they did when they were doing two-minute intervals. But they also showed that uh, extending those intervals to, to four minutes and six minutes, that didn't really change the peak VO2 values that these runners had. So the VO2 values percentage of vo2 max that uh, that was reached was 92 percent in those two minute intervals so that counts as time at vo2 max because it is above 90 percent and that was 93 percent for the four minute intervals and 92 again for the six minute intervals probably because the intensity was uh, lowered when the intervals got longer so two to three minutes seems to be like a good uh, sweet spot to do your intervals but you should make them at least two minutes because otherwise chances are you won't reach vo2 at max at all unless you modify your rest intervals and make them significantly shorter than the one-to-one work-to-rest ratios used here tip number three we get into that now the rest between intervals so remember here that uh, that you want to maximize your work capacity for uh, subsequent intervals while also maintaining a VO2 that is elevated from baseline so that you can more easily accumulate time at VO2 max in those subsequent intervals. So it's a fine balance and let's start by talking active versus passive recovery. And you may think based on all this optimizing time at VO2 max uh, talk that Doing active recovery would be better because you would keep that VO2 at a higher level and it would be easier to reach it during your next intervals. But it has also been shown that uh, this can potentially uh, significantly decrease the total work capacity. So how many intervals can you do at the required intensity? And also that it can trigger the uh, engagement of the anaerobic system uh, during the following intervals. So... So in the context of these long intervals, it is recommended by Paul Larson and Martin Boucher to use passive recovery uh, when these intervals, or the rest intervals, I should say, are 
less than two to three minutes in the duration. So let's say you have a three minute uh, work and uh, two to three minutes rest, then uh, or a two minute work duration and one to two minute rest. Use uh, passive recovery for that. If you choose uh, an active recovery, then it's recommended to use at least three to four minutes at a sub-maximal intensity uh, so that you can uh, maximize your chances basically of reaching a high intensity during the following intervals. Adding a few thoughts of my own to this, so what I just mentioned were the recommendations of the authors, but looking at a lot of the figures and the example training sessions here, uh, I think that the the phrasing of two to three minutes as a duration for the recoveries, that definitely depends on what the session looks like. For example, there's a very a great chart comparing a few different sessions and how much time at VO2 max is accumulated with each. And uh, the best session in this particular figure of uh, the review is five times three minutes at 90% of VVO2 max with 90 second passive recoveries. And uh, they accumulated almost 10 minutes at VO2 max, which is very good. And that was uh, an effectiveness of 43% or so of the entire session duration or main set duration, I should say. So, so that's an example of how 90 second recoveries for three minute work durations with these long intervals can be a very effective session. So there you have a practical workout example that I would recommend in a heartbeat as a good one. Five times three minutes at 90% of VVO2 max with 90 second passive recoveries. Tip number four, total volume of long intervals. So first, it should be say that, said that research is limited here, uh, but uh, based on what we do know, the accumulated uh, high intensity, so more than 90% of VVO2 max or power at VO2 max during a typical session in well-trained athletes has been reported in various studies to be anything from 12 minutes to 15, uh, 16 or 24 or even 30 minutes. So example sessions here that are listed could be six times two minutes or uh, six times 600 meters or five times three minutes or five times 800 to 1000 meters, four times four minutes or six times four minutes or four times six minutes or six times five minutes, those sorts of sessions. So that gives you an idea of the total duration Again, looking at the different charts and example sessions that have measured time at VO2 max, I think that the first case with 6 times 2 minutes, 12 minutes total work, that seems very low because in most examples, the effective time at VO2 max seems to be at most, for the very good studies, uh, with a few exceptions, 50% or lower. So maybe 6 minutes would be at VO2 max in that case. So I would go for at least 15 minutes as a recommendation. Again, these are just my opinions. These recommendations aren't actually given. This is just given as what is typically done. But, but I would shoot for at least 15 minutes of total work. And then if you can get a 50% effectiveness, then you would already have seven and a half minutes at VO2 max, which is, which is quite good. It's quite substantial 
seeing that a lot of studies or a lot of workouts that athletes typically do actually accumulate zero minutes at VO2 max, probably unknowingly for for athletes, but uh, that is the case. So if you can have an effective session with 15 minutes total work, then that's perfect. If you are an advanced athlete, then basically you need to go a bit, you need to go harder. You need to need to have a or longer time at intensity for several reasons. Uh, first off, you need to overload the body, of course, to elicit adaptations, but also you will have a harder time to reach that VO2 max intensity just because your VO2 kinetics are so developed. So then you might shoot for those 25 to 30 minutes of total work duration to make sure that you can still accumulate enough time at VO2 max intensity. Tip number five, uphill running for long intervals. So this is a short tip and uh, it's not the most important that you'll hear in this episode by, by a long shot. I'll keep this short and simple, but a study has shown that uh, comparing hill running, so six times 500 meters, which took the runners one minute, 40 seconds, with uh, a similar duration track session, so that was six times 600 meters on the track, one minute, 40 seconds again. Both sessions accumulated some time at uh, VO2 max, but the time at VO2 max compared to exercise time was uh, clearly higher in the track workout. So 44% of the main set time was spent at VO2 max versus only 27% in the hill session. The reason for this is unclear, uh, but uh, and the intervals in these hill workouts might not have been long enough to observe the additional slow VO2 component that is generally witnessed with uphill running is something that the authors comment, so more research is definitely required. But uh, it has made me think that probably you want to prioritize most of your VO2 max sessions to flat running, to the track or flat roads, unless of course you are quite injury prone then that's another reason to to include hills. But from a pure time at VO2 max perspective, it's recommended to do these kinds of intervals on the track or on flat roads compared to on hills. Tip number six. Now we're getting to the short intervals that are one minute or less in duration. And this tip is about how to manipulate the interval intensity in these short intervals. And the gist of it is that you should shoot for an intensity that is between 100 to 120% of your VO2 max. So compare that to the long intervals where you may want to stay between the 90 to 100% of the VO2 max. Uh, so this is a higher intensity clearly, but at the same time, I think many athletes, when they do these kinds of workouts, they actually go way beyond 120 and therefore can't accumulate enough work enough intervals to really accumulate a lot of time at VO2 max. So bear that in mind. And and some other things to consider here is that some several studies have compared going from what happens when you increase the intensity in these short intervals from 100 to 110% of VO2 max. And practically speaking, what, what they all say is that for athletes that are older or less trained, you may want to have a bit of a higher intensity actually since the VO2 kinetics may be maybe slower. And for higher level athletes, you can keep it at 100% or you can keep it at lower relative to the older or less trained athletes. 
but then you would uh, the total number of intervals might be of course a lot higher for more trained athletes to compensate for that and to get the most out of your your intervals that way when you go above 120% of VVO2 max in these intervals uh, studies have shown that the total capacity exercise capacity so the number of intervals that you can do is impaired so the total time at VO2 max for a workout at that intensity is uh, typically lower compared to when you go at 120% or uh, 20% or below so 100 to 120%. The authors do suggest that if you if you split these sorts of very high intensity workouts into inter- several sets of these intervals then it may be effective but uh, I would as a general recommendation for the intensity of these short intervals I would steer you to stay in that 100 to 120% of VVO2 max range or of course power at VO2 max range if we're talking about biking. Tip number seven, duration of short intervals. So there are a few things here that we don't really know that haven't been studied. For example, how does a 30-30 workout where you do a, an interval hard hard work for 30 seconds and then active recovery for 30 seconds, how does that compare to a similar or an identical total duration workout where you use 60-second work intervals and 60-second active recovery intervals. We don't really know that. But what we do know is that uh, when you increase the work duration to rest ratio, again going to above that one-to-one ratio, then the time at VO2 max increases significantly. So for example, one study investigated in triathletes, well-trained triathletes, 30 30, so 30 seconds work, 30 seconds active recovery, compared to 60-30, so 60 seconds work, 30 seconds recovery. And uh, the total time at VO2 max was 9 minutes in the 60-30 workout and 1.5 minutes only in the 30-30 workout. So so that gives you an idea of uh, how important increasing that work-to-rest ratio in short intervals can be. And just as in the last tip, here again, the older athletes and less well-trained athletes that have slower VO2 kinetics compared to well-trained younger athletes, they're recommended to use uh, longer work intervals. So for example, 60-60 versus 30-30. But uh, the more well-trained athletes, younger athletes, they of course may need to, to adapt the total amount of work that they do. So... To give a practical example, a less well-trained athlete athlete might do 10 times 60-60, so 60 minutes hard, 60 easy. So that's a total of 10 minutes at a hard intensity. But a well-trained athlete might do something like 50 times 30-30. So that would be a total of 25 minutes at a hard intensity, so significantly more. Or it might be 40 times 30-30. And uh, that sounds like many intervals, and it is, but that's why you need to know your VO2 max, your VVO2 max, and adjust the intensity accordingly to not go out like a bat out of hell and really make it a sprint, because these are not supposed to be sprint workouts, even though they are short intervals. They are VO2 max workouts at an intensity close to VO2 max intensity, potentially slightly above, up to 120%, but not more than that. 
Tip number eight. And here I have to say that I actually skipped this tip in my original recording. I accidentally jumped right from uh, tip seven to tip nine. So I'm recording this uh, many, many days later and I have forgotten a bit about what I said in the previous tips. So I hope I don't make uh, say anything stupid here. But anyway, I want to include this after the fact, and this is a short one. It's about the intensity of the rest intervals in your short intervals. And uh, there isn't a whole lot of data about this, but uh, for example, one study showed that when you increased the rest interval intensity from passive recovery to a recovery intensity of 50% of VVO2 max, and then to 67% of VVO2 max, then there were small and very large improvements in the time at VO2 max respectively for when comparing 50% versus passive recovery and 67% of VO2 max versus passive recovery. And the same thing went for the time at VO2 max as a percentage of the total exercise time, so the ratio there that is also quite important. So uh, this study, together with a couple of other examples in uh, Larson's and Boucher's paper, suggest that for these short intervals, relief interval or rest interval intensities around roughly 70% of VVO2 max is recommended to maximize both time at VVO2 max, or sorry, time at VO2 max and the ratio of time at VO2 max to total exercise time. But in general, more generally speaking, you can slightly adjust this intensity depending on how high your actual interval intensity is. So higher interval intensities may mean that you can go a bit lower in those rest intervals and vice versa. Tip number nine, using different sets in interval workouts. So that, that's something that... Uh, is a very common practice in designing interval workouts. So with sets here, I mean things like doing three by three minutes at uh, VO2 max intensity, then taking a, a rest or an active rest, perhaps five minutes of easy jogging, and then doing, doing another three by three minutes. So in total, you do six by three minutes, but you have that rest after the, the active rest or something like that after the third interval. And uh, this has actually been consistently shown to reduce the total time at VO2 max. However, there is a time and place for splitting workouts into, into sets. For example, let's say you want to do a 30 seconds on, 30 seconds off workout like we've been talking about. And you want to accumulate 30 minutes at, uh, you want to do a total of 30 minutes of your main set. So that would be 30 repetitions. And uh, in case you know that this is, would be a very challenging workout for you to do, depending on your, your fitness level, then what you might do instead is to try to shoot for 36 minutes, but split it into, uh, into three different sets. So three by 12 minutes. So that would mean 12 times 30, 30, then you would have uh, one to two minutes uh, of active recovery, or maybe even a bit more. You could have three to four minutes of active recovery then do another 12 by 30, 30, and then another three to four minutes active recovery, and then the final 12 by 30, 30. And you add those, you want to achieve those 36 minutes rather than 30 minutes as the main set or the work uh, 
just because you have to take into account that it will take time when you restart a new set for your VO2 kinetics to to rev up again. So so it will you will lose some of the time at VO2 max if you don't do that. And I realize now I'm not sure if I did the math correctly when I mentioned that example of 50 times 30 30. I might have, I might not have, because I don't remember if I talked about the entire main set duration or the time at intensity. I think I talked about time at intensity, in which case I did the math correctly. But in case I didn't, then uh, uh, yeah, you probably know what I meant anyway. All right, so tip number 10, warm-up. Uh, there should be quite a short or, or no delay between the warm-up and the start of your, your main work. Because otherwise your time needed to reach VO2 max it is actually going to be quite a bit longer. And your warm-up intensity can be around 60 to 70% of your VVO2 max or your power at VO2 max. And finish off with, with something like that. Maybe even a, some builds, some strides towards the end of the warm-up. Or some skipping ropes, that sort of thing. Uh, so so that's the warm up is important here in this context and and also not to take a long break between the warm up and starting the actual work because then you will actually lose out on a lot of that time at VO2 max at least in the first first one or two intervals so that's a short and sweet tip that's it for this episode i want to give you some some takeaways and some uh, some messages and things to consider here first of all today we've only talked about the uh, time at vo2 max but what the second part of this review and i will make an episode of that in the near future i think uh, what, what that discusses is that how you select your intervals also depends on those neuromuscular musculoskeletal strain and load and the metabolic demands so some workouts so, for example, very long intervals doing five times four minutes, that uh, puts uh, very high demands on your anaerobic system, actually, because uh, you will, towards the end of those intervals, your your anaerobic energy that you produce will be quite a bit higher compared to if you do a similar workout, but with shorter intervals. So those are some things to keep in mind. We haven't talked about that at all today, but we will in the future. But this is not the complete picture that you have here today. We've only talked about time at VO2 max. Uh, second, I will in the show notes on scientifictriathlon.com forward slash TTS139, I will post some example workouts and their times at VO2 max and also their percentages of time at VO2 max uh, as uh, as percentage of the entire main set duration. That uh, some Just some interesting examples for you to get an idea. But really the main thing here is that uh, there's no one magic workout, but there are things that work a heck of a lot better than others. Like you can accumulate uh, in a workout that feels just as hard as uh, another workout. Then you might accumulate zero minutes at VO2 max and the other one might be 10 minutes. You've done just as hard work in your mind, but the adaptations that you elicit will be completely different if you design your internal workouts wrong versus designing them Right, and manipulating variables like the interval intensity duration and uh, the rest modality and intensity rest duration, it dramatically changes the workout outcome. And uh, especially 
what we discussed today, how much in terms of how much time you spend at VO2 max. So for long intervals, if you have equal work to rest ratios, you want to go two minutes or longer in duration. So two minutes on, two minutes passive recovery, three minutes on, three minutes passive recovery. Those are great workouts and, and do them for enough repetitions and uh, probably not including sets. So you might do eight times two minutes on, two minutes off, or you might do six times three minutes on, three minutes off, those sorts of workouts. For short intervals, you want the work rest ratio to be significantly larger than one. Based on all the examples that I saw in the study, I think that 1.5 is what you want to shoot for at least. So for example, 60 seconds on, 30 seconds off. And in these short intervals, keep in mind that uh, the intensity should be high, but not too high. It's easy to go too high in these, but you it's important to accumulate the total work capacity, total work duration. So keep it to 100 to 120% of your VO2 max, VVO2 max, your velocity at VO2 max. In those long intervals, again, 90 to 100% of the VO2 max is where you want to be. For two minute intervals, maybe 95 to 100. For three minute intervals, 95, uh, sorry, 90 to 95 might be better to allow you to, to complete all the intervals. Going back to those short intervals, that's where you want to have an active recovery. So a jog at 50% of VVO2 max or so, or even you can go up to 70%. I saw some some examples of, which is still not, not very hard, but it's going to keep your VO2 elevated, that baseline, and you will still be able to complete the workout. So, so that's another one of the main things really that I want you to keep in mind here, that faster is not always better. Doing more intervals at 95% of your VVO2 max is likely going to be much more effective than going at 105 or 110% VVO2 max, but then not being able to either complete the workout or at least fading towards the end and actually not reaching VO2 max at all and accumulating less time in total. So you should really, your main goal is not to run the intervals as fast as possible and trying to make them faster every single time, but probably start thinking about, can I add another interval at the same intensity? Can I add a seventh uh, three minute interval to this workout that I did last week and keep the speed the same 90 to 95% of VVO2 max? And that is going to cause more adaptations for you. As always, this is not just an interval training. Knowing your fitness level is absolutely crucial. You have to have your own benchmarks of uh, to base these intensities off of, whether it is time trials, races, lab tests, tests, you name it. For running, as I said, go to macmillanrunning.com, use that calcula calculator to get your VO2 max. And for cycling, maybe you do a five minute time trial as mentioned, and that five minute power, max power is your, your power at VO2 max. Or if you have a fresh uh, FTP test, then you can just multiply your FTP with 1.176. And that is under the assumption that your FTP is roughly 85% of your power at VO2 max, which is a good assumption to make. It's not going to be perfect for everybody, but that's better than nothing. It's a good starting point. So again, multiply your FTP by 1.176, and that gives you an estimate of your power at VO2 max. 
And finally, do not get caught in paralysis by analysis by all of this. If you do, it's probably time to leave uh, this heavy lifting to a coach. Uh, the idea is not for you to have to spend hours thinking about this and, uh, and trying to make your workouts more effective, but then taking away from your actual time to train, because that is not going to benefit you. I can absolutely guarantee that. You already have several examples throughout this episode of effective workouts, like doing those uh, 60 seconds on, 30 seconds off, and uh, doing them at, uh, let's say, 110% of VVO2 max, or doing six times three minutes at 90 to 95% VVO2 max. And all of these other tips, uh, you can use them and use those effective workouts as baselines and think about what will happen with uh, uh, with your time at VO2 max when you manipulate different variables. Uh, so, But again, do not spend too much time planning your training that you could spend actually training. Uh, if this is not, if, if this doesn't come easily to you, then uh, then maybe, as I said, uh, you better leave it to, to a coach that does that. But also, of course, the show notes will help you. I know that this is... Uh, quite a lot to digest in an audio file so do as many listeners do they actually re-listen to the episodes again which is a great thing to do to really be able to absorb all the information but then go to the show notes because that's where you can in peace have a look at the, the highlights from this episode the big takeaways see some example workouts that i'll post there and their times at vo2 max Maybe I'll get permission to post some figures from the studies. I'll need to ask about that. Uh, anyway, check out the show notes. It will be useful for you to, to really be able to use this episode to its absolute maximum potential. And that's linked to in the episode description. And as always, thattriathlonshow.com or go directly to scientifictriathlon.com forward slash TTS139. If you have questions or comments, uh, by the way, definitely comment on the show notes page and uh, I will get back to you there. Final call to action for today. Please, please, please keep spreading the word about the podcast. Uh, just like you may have specific goals for your triathlons, I have specific quantifiable goals for the podcast, like how many listeners, downloads, ratings and reviews, etc. And uh, I hope that you can help me on the way towards these goals by spreading the word as much as possible I'm really, really grateful if you do that. And of course, I'll try to return that favor by uh, keeping to put out great content that can help you achieve your triathlon goals. Big thanks to our sponsors, Roka, that you can find on roka.com. That's R-O-K-A dot com. They are the leading brand in wetsuits, trisuits, skin suits, all sorts of triathlon apparel, eyewear, sunglasses, and the reason that they're the leading brand is that their quality, their technology is a step above everybody else. That's why they are trusted by athletes like Javier Gomez, Gwen Jorgensen, Flora Duffy, Mario Mola, Lucy Charles, and many, many others. And when you purchase anything on Roka.com, you can get 20% off your entire order with the discount code that triathlon show. So that's an incredible deal. 20% off the best triathlon apparel brand out there. Make sure you take this opportunity. And big thanks to Precision Hydration. I've said it many times and I'll say it again. One size does not fit all when it comes to hydration. 
you need to know your sweat rate and your electrolyte needs to be able to hydrate to achieve well in your races and training, especially if it's longer and hotter conditions. And precision hydration has made it super easy for you to to find out what your needs are, what your sweat rate is, what your electrolyte needs are with a free online sweat test, a quiz that takes just a few minutes to complete. And you can find that in the link in the episode description or directly on precisionhydration.com. And of course, if you haven't bought from Precision Hydration before, try them out for free. Get your first box for free with the discount code show, all one word, all caps. Thank you, as always, for listening. Keep training smart and keep loving triathlon.